Welcome to the A Catholic Life Podcast. I am Matthew, the author of A Catholic Life, welcoming you to episode 44 of the A Catholic Life Podcast. In today's episode, on the third Sunday of Advent, I'm happy to address the following topics. First, Gaudete Sunday. As the third Sunday of Advent, today is known as Gaudete Sunday, and it's really a reprieve in the midst of our Advent preparation leading up to Christmas. So I'll go over a little bit regarding the traditions of Gaudete Sunday. Secondly, I mentioned the O Antiphons. They start today, and that's something that we should really try, even if we don't pray the Divine Office every day, we should try to pray the O Antiphons. They're an ancient prayer, and they really show how our Advent preparation is really intensifying leading up to Christmas. Three, I mentioned the upcoming Ember Days of Advent, so please mark your calendar to especially uh, fast and abstain this upcoming week on those days. Four, I address the Vigil and the Feast of St. Thomas the Apostle, which is kept on the traditional calendar this week. And five, I address and am happy to announce that my latest book, Restoring Customs of Christendom, is now available. But before we get into those topics, I'd like to stop and thank the sponsor for today's episode. This episode is sponsored by PrayLatin.com. PrayLatin.com offers Latin prayer cards, to learn and share prayers in the sacred language. Learn your basic prayers in Latin conveniently on the go. Practice your pronunciation with easy-to-follow English phonetic renderings of Latin words. PrayLatin.com offers prayer cards in various formats, including Latin-English rosary pamphlets with the traditional 15 mysteries. Shop for additional Latin resources like missile booklets, server response cards, and much more. Please visit PrayLatin.com today. On to the first topic, though, of today's episode. I'm happy that we have now, uh, uh, you know, entered more fully into Advent, and today is Gaudete Sunday, the third Sunday of Advent. It's really the counterpart to where Laudete Sunday in Lent really shows that the Lenten penance is is, uh, drawing closer and closer to an end. The same can be said of Advent on Gaudete Sunday. Now, as I've talked about before in writings and on the podcast, I strongly encourage everybody to be fasting leading up to Christmas and observing St. Martin's Lent, the traditional 40-day period of fasting and abstinence leading up to Christmas. Um, But even if you're not, I hope that as we are drawing now closer and closer, you will try to incorporate some of those practices. It's better, even if you haven't done it all along, to start incorporating it now. Today is, as I said, Gaudete Sunday. Rejoice, the Lord is nigh. As Christmas draws near, the church emphasizes the joy which should be in our hearts over all the birth of our Savior and what that means to us. The great joy of Christmas is to see the day drawing nigh when the Lord will come again in his glory to lead us into his kingdom. The often repeated Vene, come of Advent, is an echo not only of the prophets but also of the conclusion of the Apocalypse in St. John Come, Lord Jesus, the last words of the New Testament. Today is Gaudete Sunday, and Gaudete refers to the first words of the introit for today's Mass. Rejoice, taken from Philippians 4.4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say, rejoice. 
Rose vestments are traditionally worn to emphasize our joy as Christmas is nearing, and we also light the rose candle on our Advent wreath today. So we might even want to wear, wear rose-colored uh, color uh, in our clothes as well today, too. Just another way to live out liturgically what we're experiencing. But a blessed Gaudete Sunday to all of you. And I hope that you'll keep these sentiments of joy in mind today as tomorrow we begin anew the preparation of Advent leading up to Christmas. Now, the second topic, though, of today, I'd like to address the O antiphons, which also do begin tonight. The O antiphons are a series of antiphons to the Magnificat, which is part of Vespers. That is the evening prayer of the Church from the Divine Office. Now, the O antiphons are prayed from December 17th through December 23rd inclusive. Each of the titles of the O antiphons addresses our Lord Jesus with a special title given to the Messiah and refers to a, a prophecy from the prophet Isaiah. It's unknown when the O Antiphon started. However, there is mention of them as far back as the 400s. So they are quite ancient, and they're often called the Great Antiphons as well. If one were to start with the last title and take the first letter of each one, so for instance, Emmanuel, Rex, Oriens, Clavis, Radix, Adonai, Sapientiae, those are the titles of our Lord in the Oantiphons. If you were to take the last title and the first word of each, the Latin word, ero cross is for, meaning tomorrow I will come. Thus, the Oantiphons not only in, bring intensity to our Advent preparation, but they bring it to a joyful conclusion. Now, I'll have a link in the show notes if you wanted to have more information. But, for instance, December 17th, we refer to our Lord as O Sapientiae, that is, O Wisdom. Tomorrow, O Adonai. Uh, December 19th, O Rodic Jesse, which is O Root of Jesse. And there's a link where you can click on that and you can hear the O Antiphon chanted. So, as I said, even if you're not accustomed to praying Vespers as an individual or as a family, um, and, you know, a lot of lay people don't, you can still pray the O Antiphons. Or you might just want to pick up, you know, the Divine Office and pray Vespers uh, over these days if you're not in the habit of doing so. But at the very least, as we try to live more liturgically, these prayers go back at least to the 400. So please try to incorporate them in your own lives this upcoming week as we bring intensity and further preparation to our Advent. The other thing, as I mentioned, on to the next topic, is we also have greater intensity in our preparation in the form of the Ember Days. So this upcoming week is the Ember Days. Uh, the Church celebrates the Ember Days four times a year, and they're tied to the changing of the seasons, but also to the liturgical cycles of the Church. The dates for the Ember Days are the Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday following the Feast of St. Lucy, following Ash Wednesday, following Pentecost Sunday, and following the Feast of the Exaltation of the Holy Cross. Now, because the Feast of St. Lucy was on Wednesday of last week, there was no, um, you know, last week you would think it would have fallen, but it wasn't because it's on the Wednesday following St. Lucy's Day. Thus, this upcoming week, the Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday are days of abstinence from meat and of fasting. Remember days are observed with fasting and um, with abstinence, meaning that uh, we, if we're not already observing St. Martin's Lent, we should at the very least observe these days with that penance. Uh, and as always, such an obs- observance has another greater purpose. It's not only done 
for the purpose of fasting and abstaining because all of this is done for a purpose. And what is the purpose of the Ember Days? To thank God for the gifts he's given to us through nature, to pray and fast for the conversion of sinners, to pray for priests and vocations to the priesthood, to petition God to do great things during the new season that we're now beginning, that is the winter season, and to fast and pray for the forgiveness of our own sins and for our own deeper conversion. The Ember Days go back significantly in the past uh, to the early church. In fact, the Libra Pontificalis ascribes to Pope Callistus, who reigned from 217 to the year 222, a law ordering the fast, but as the Catholic Encyclopedia notes, it probably was much older. In fact, Pope Leo the Great, who ruled from 440 to 461, says it was instituted by the apostles themselves, and it really goes back to the Old Testament as well, since there were these different periods of fasting as the seasons changed, as and that is uh, seen in the Old Testament. For instance, the prophet Zacharias speaks of the fast of the 4th, 5th, 7th, and 10th months. So I'll have a link in the show notes for much more information regarding the history of the Ember Days, but please plan this Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday, if you're not already, fasting and abstaining and offering that to our Lord as a worthy gift uh, for his upcoming birth. I should also mention, on to the next topic, that we are also drawing near to the vigil and to the feast of St. Thomas the Apostle. Now, a lot of people might be surprised by this because the feast of St. Thomas the Apostle was moved in the Novus Ordo calendar to July 3rd, but traditionally his feast day, which was a holy day of obligation because all the feasts of the apostles were holy days of obligation, was kept on December 21st. But beforehand, December 20th was the vigil. Uh, like nearly all of the feasts of the apostles, that of St. Thomas was preceded by a vigil, which enables the souls to prepare for it in a holy manner. Unfortunately, all of the vigils of the apostles were abolished, really, except the vigil of Saints Peter and Paul in the mid-1900s. In fact, they're not even found in the 1962 Missal. But we can observe them, and as such, this upcoming December 20th, it is uh, the Unember Day, so we're already going to be fasting and abstaining. But we, as we do so, we should also think about our preparation the very next day, December 21st, uh, for the Feast of St. Thomas the Apostle. Now, the Feast of St. Thomas the Apostle, um, as I said, used to be a holy day of obligation. According to tradition, St. Thomas preached the gospel in Asia and the Indian subcontinent, and it's believed to have founded um, the community there in west and the west coast of India, one of several groups using the East Syrian family of liturgies to this day, draws its origin from the preaching and the work of St. Thomas the Apostle. Um, it should also be mentioned he went out and preached in Parthia, Persia, in addition to India, even though he was very reluctant to start the mission because he had to be taken into slavery by a merchant heading that way. But above all, he submitted himself to God's will and was freed from slavery. He formed many parishes and built many churches along the way. And for that reason, St. Thomas the Apostle is also called the Apostle of India. Let us realize that we too are called to serve the Catholic Church and spread the gospel. St. Thomas, known as the Doubting Apostle, eventually laid down his life for our Lord. So few people think about everything that he went through in order to spread the faith in India and through those places. St. Thomas the Apostle ultimately died in the year 72 AD in India after being stabbed with a spear. And while we often think about him as the doubting apostle, 
there can be no doubt that the uh, prolific work that he did to spread the faith in India and in the Far East was very effective. May he pray for us as we further intensify our Advent preparation. And lastly, the final topic I would like to talk about, I am very happy to announce that my latest book, really the third book that I published this year, entitled Restoring Lost Customs of Christendom, is now available. Now, this is something that St. Jerome wrote in a letter, specifically Letter 71, which has still come down to us to this day. He said, quote, The best advice that I can give you is this. Church traditions, especially when they do not run counter to the faith, are to be observed in the form in which previous generations have handed them down. And he goes on, The traditions which have been handed down should be regarded as apostolic laws. Now, what I've done over the past several years is I've been very privileged to write a series of articles on uh, Catholic customs, and they are really in two different parts. One, as it relates to the temporal cycle of the church, that is, you know, Advent, Christmas, Lent, Easter, etc. I've written articles on all of those, but I've also written a number of articles on the sanctoral cycle with uh, different traditions of how to celebrate various feasts of the Apostles. St. Lucy Day, celebrated last week, for instance, it was covered in those series of articles. In addition to many other saints, from St. Clement to St. Nicholas to St. Anthony, I've been privileged to write a, uh, regarding these customs of which people would regularly celebrate these feast days throughout the year. Unfortunately, so much of these traditions have been lost to us through the modernization of the world. But the Church's liturgical year is truly a harmonious interplay of feasts and fasts interwoven in both the temporal and sanctoral cycles that really define the rhythm and rhyme of Catholic life. While there are many customs associated with the seasons of the liturgical year and high-ranking feast days, the entire year is replete with opportunities to live out our Catholic heritage through the customs our forefathers have invented. Beyond assisting at Mass and praying the Divine Office, we can and should observe the forgotten customs that further underscored authentic Catholic life for centuries. Catholic culture, above all, is more than just going to Mass. In fact, much more. Catholic culture is built on fasting periods, assisting at processions, having various items blessed at different parts of the year, such as herbs on August 15, grapes on September 8th, wine on December 7th, etc. It features days of festivity like those during Martin Mass and promotes family time and charitable works like visits to grandparents on Easter Monday. It's replete with food customs to celebrate the end of fasting periods and filled with special devotions during periods of penance. This is our heritage, and these traditions are our birthright. They are ours as much as they were our ancestors, and we must reclaim them. We must spread them. We must love them, and we must observe them. That's why I put together this book. Or PDF. The book is available in both paperback and Kindle as well. And I've been very honored to have Dr. Peter Kwasniewski, author of The Once and Future Roman Rite, read and endorse the book, along with Father Scott Haynes, as well as Keith uh, Jones, the director and producer of Foundations Restored, A Catholic Perspective on Origins. You can read those endorsements in much more detail in the show notes, but I'm very happy 
to make this finally available. It has really been a labor of love of mine for the past few years, and I really do hope that more families take this and use it, and most importantly, live the Catholic faith, because it is not just an intellectual exercise. We truly must live the Catholic faith in its fullness. Thank you, everybody, for listening. May God grant you a most blessed week as we further intensify our Advent preparations and we draw closer to Christmas. And let us strive for greater holiness this and every week. Ad maiorum, Dei Gloriam. We do